We, uh, we are in this series, David, Flawed Human, Holy God. And it has been a really fun series because I think as we dive into the David story, all of us can relate with David on some level, okay? And David was, he was someone who, he loved God. Everybody around him was pointed to God because of how he passionately expressed his love for God. But then as Gene referenced, David also failed miserably. He was an incredibly flawed person. And so this story, uh, there's, there's more written about David than any other biblical character other than Jesus, because the whole Bible is, points us to Jesus. But uh, other than Jesus, there's been more written about David. And, and what's, what's interesting is it's kind of controversial to talk about David in a really positive way because of some of the horrible things that he's done. But we learned last week and I made this statement that if God was going to sweep anybody's sin under the rug, it would have been David. Okay? D David gets referenced throughout Scripture as this man that's after God's own heart. And David's sin was horrible. What he did, we, we talked about it at length last week, so I won't go into detail. Gene referenced it, uh, but he, he murdered somebody. He covered it up. It was a sexual scandal. It was this whole thing. And it was done in secret, but God because he loves victims and because he hates sin. He said to David, arguably one of his favorite people, and God doesn't have favorites, but there's so much about David that uh, is, is, is worth looking at and celebrating. And so and God looks at David and says, what you did in secret, I'm going to expose this publicly. And so what we see in God is, is this God who's, who's not okay with scandal. He's not okay with people that are in positions of power, even people that claim to be his followers, doing things that harm other people. God's not okay with that. And so David's story is really comforting because we see God, he says to David, he says, you did this thing in secret, and I'm not going to let you keep going on and having this perfect reputation. It's going to be exposed. Okay? And so what we're going to look at this week is, is one of my favorite stories in the story of David. And it's about David and this guy named Shimei. Can you guys say Shimei? Let's just, yeah, Shimei. The, the names in the Bible, they're always uh, hard to pronounce. And so I often will get a pronunciation that I think is right. And then I'll hear some other preacher or like a Hebrew scholar say it totally differently. Uh, so sorry if you have that experience. I'm saying Shimei. Okay, you may hear another pronunciation, but Shimei uh, in the life of David, he plays a really significant role. Uh, and so if you're not familiar with this story, I just want to encourage you to lean in because uh, he plays a really important role in David's life, but also just in the, in the, the follow-up to what we talked about last week. So, so as an intro, uh, I ended last week by, by referencing a lady named Carla Faye Tucker. And I didn't really tell much of the story, uh, but Carla, Carla Faye Tucker... Was, was killed in 1998 by lethal injection. She was one of the few women in the States to die by lethal injection. In 1983, Carla Faye Tucker and her boyfriend were involved in uh, a double homicide, and it was brutal, okay? And I'm not going to go into the details. If you want to look up Carla Faye Tucker's story, you can. There's a documentary on her. There's books written about her. Um, but it was brutal, okay? And so the punishment for this brutal crime was extreme because what she had done was actually extreme and it's really disturbing. But a year or two after being thrown in prison and being put on death row, Carla Faye Tucker stumbled across a Bible and picked it up and she started to read it. And then she heard about this, this God that is a God of love and grace and compassion and forgiveness. And so then Carla Faye Tucker went on to surrender her life to Jesus 
and she had an encounter with him. And God did a work in her heart, and it was incredible. Uh, but her story is really controversial. So she was, she was set to go uh, and die by lethal injection, and there were people that started advocating that she, she didn't you know, need to die, and they were trying to advocate for a lesser sentence. Uh, and this went on for about 14 years, until in 1998, she was killed by lethal injection. Uh, three years before this, she actually married a pastor. So this prison chaplain pastor and her got married. Uh, most of the time they spent with each other was through plexiglass. Uh, and, and, she, uh, and after her death, uh, this is kind of a, I think it's a famous part of the story, but the guy that was instrumental in carrying out lethal injections, and he had done about 120 of them or so in, this, in the state of Texas where she was killed, he actually resigned from his job because he was so disturbed at what he saw in the way that, that she died. So it was this really controversial case. But, but what I want to pull from this is that Carla Faye Tucker, like she had this encounter with Jesus, uh, but she still had to, to suffer the consequences of her actions. And that's a really challenging thing for us to grapple with sometimes. And we actually see in the life of David, David's having to face the consequences of his actions. So the, the part that I'm going to read to you uh, about David and Shimei, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 through 14. If you've got an app on your phone, uh, you, can, you can look that up. Or if you have a paper Bible and you want to look it up, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 through 14. But there's a whole bunch of things that happen between David's scandal with Bathsheba and then this incident with Shimei. And I want to just catch you up on the story. So after this incident where, or this scandal, okay, between David and Bathsheba and Uriah and this whole thing that went on, David, he neglects his children, okay? Uh, so, so King David, he had 19 sons and one daughter. It's a lot of kids. I, uh, Kim and I often, I heard Kim today. Where's Kim? Oh, okay. I always hear Kim during testimony time. Just loves it. <laughs> but Kim and I often talk about how many kids we have because we both have a lot of kids. And you read David's life and you're like, wow, 19 kids and counting because he had one more. So there was many. So David, uh, 19 sons, one daughter, and he neglects his children. His oldest son was a guy named Amnon, okay? Uh, and then his third son was a guy named Absalom. And Absalom, the third son of David, had a sister, a full sister. Okay? It means they had the same mom and same dad because uh, David had multiple wives. Uh, uh, Amnon, the firstborn son, becomes obsessed with his half-sister, Tamar. Okay, you following the story? And, and so what happens is Amnon becomes embroiled in a scandal where he, uh, he rapes his half-sister. Okay, and it's this crazy story. And if you want to read about it, uh, I'm going to give you the, the reference after. There's four chapters in here you can read about it. And once he goes through with this act, he was obsessed with her. And once he goes through with this despicable act, he actually becomes... He, his hatred towards her, the Bible describes it as he, he hated her more than he was obsessed with her. So the hatred just became so uh, much a part of him. It was palpable. And then he rejected her. And so Tamar leaves in shame. And she says to her brother, she says, she says, don't do this thing. Like now that you've gone through with this despicable act, like treat me honorably. Take me in as your wife or care for me. But if you, if you throw me out to the streets, like there'll be nothing left of my life. And he just disregards her and throws her out. So her brother Absalom, who's her full brother, he has this hatred for Amnon, obviously, right? He's just, he's stewing. And he's looking to see, is David, my dad, the king, the one who's supposed to make sure that things happen the way they're supposed to in Israel, is he going to do something about it? And David does nothing. 
It's like he just turns the other way. And, and for two whole years, Absalom waits around to see, is David going to do something about this despicable, horrible act? And we don't know what was going on in David's life. Maybe because David had sinned so greatly, he felt like he couldn't be the one to bring judgment on his own son because he was like, knows that he was flawed himself. And so instead of dealing with the situation, he just ignores it. And it's this really grievous story. This goes on for a couple years. After two years, Absalom says, well, I'm going to deal with it myself. So Absalom asks King David, his dad, for permission. He says, hey, can I get my brothers all together and I'll feed them a meal? And David thinks nothing of it. Thinks, okay, well, sure. You know, two years had passed and so he allows it to happen. And, and Absalom follows through this plan that he had and he kills his brother Amnon. And, and then all the other brothers, okay, so there's like 17 left. They all get up get on their donkeys and they flee. And the report comes back to David. All of your sons have been, have been killed and David's grieving. Uh, but then David learns the true story that it was only Amnon that was killed and it was Absalom that did it. And then immediately Absalom, he flees, okay? So he runs off and, and he moves to another nation to get away because he knows that what he did, um, he could be killed for. He spends three years away. So if you're following, there's, we're, at to, we're up to five years now and, and Absalom wants to come back and be with his dad. And then something really interesting happens. This is the second time in David's life. Uh, the, the commander of the army, Joab, instructs a woman to go to David and make up a fake story that was really similar uh, to what happened with, with his sons. And she, she, so she tells him this elaborate fake story and David passes judgment and says, you know, your son can be forgiven. And then she looks at him and says, so why aren't you doing the same thing for Absalom? And it's really interesting, and I don't have time to go into it, but there's two times in David's life where he's told a fake story, and he passes judgment, and he's actually passing judgment on himself. And so from that, okay, and again, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but there's something to be learned there about how it's so much easier for us to see truth when it has to do with somebody else than when it's in our own life, isn't it? It's a lot easier. And God actually does this to David twice. So then Absalom is welcomed back, and when Absalom comes back, he spends a few years in Israel, and David refuses to see him. And then finally, after a few years, David agrees to see Absalom. And, and they embrace, and David welcomes him back into Israel, and then sends Absalom on his way. And then here's, here's the important part of the story, and where this, we're going to pick it up. After that interaction, Absalom spends four years sitting outside of the gate of David's palace. And every time somebody comes in to bring a case to King David to be judged, Absalom says, hey, what's, what's going on? Tell me, tell me what you're here for. And so they unload on him and he says, oh, if only there was someone in Israel that was righteous enough to bring judgment to your case. If I was the king, I would deal with this. And he does this for four years. And, and the scriptures tell us he actually turns the heart of Israel toward himself. And so then at the end of four years, and, and if you're paying attention, let me just add it up for you here. Pay attention, 11 years have passed, okay? So two years after the, the rape, Absalom acted. Three years, Absalom spent in exile. Two years, Absalom spent in Jerusalem without seeing his father. And then four years, he schemed to take over Israel. And then after 11 years worth of scheming, brewing, bitterness had formed into hatred and rage. And, and Absalom forms a coup, a military coup. And when David hears about it, David flees Israel. Okay, so this is 11 years have gone on from when David was involved in this scandal with Bathsheba. And all of this stuff has been brewing under the surface. Nobody's faced it head on. And Absalom uh, has enough military strength to form this coup. So David flees from Israel and Absalom comes and takes over the palace. 
and he carries out the judgment that God laid on, on David. God had told David, somebody else is going to come in, and they're going to be with your wives, and you're going to be ashamed. And so David flees because Absalom has, has moved in. And so much has gone on under the surface, though, being looked at. And we're going to pick up the story here. And if you want to read it, uh, if you want to make note of this, in 2 Samuel 13 through 16, uh, you, can, you can read that. I, I love the scripture, by the way. I, I don't know if you dig into the scriptures, but there's so much in here that shows us what God is like. And it's filled with, with drama and, and scandal and, and backbiting and then God's uh, act on, on behalf of, of those people that are being mistreated. Like there's just so much in there that's worth diving into. Uh, and you'll learn a ton about God if, if you learn to do that. And so if you want to read the whole story, then I just summarize it's, it's 2 Samuel 13 to 16. Uh, but before I read the, the section I told you about, I want to read two verses um, about what David is saying as he's fleeing. So we're, we're caught up with the story. David right now, he's fleeing from Israel. His son is taking over. And listen to what David says about the Ark of the Covenant, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. David says in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 25 and 26, he says, Carry the Ark back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am, let him do to me what seems good to him. So, so as David's fleeing, he's, he sees the Ark of the Covenant, which, which represented the very presence of God on earth, right? And, and as he's fleeing, he says, you know what? He says, take that Ark, bring it back into Jerusalem where Absalom is. And, and I know things are bad. I know things are messy. I know it's gross. He's like, but David acknowledged, he's like, I've messed up. I've done things that are absolutely wrong. If God wants to, to vindicate me, if he wants to make things right, he will. But if he wants to carry out judgment then so be it, because he's righteous and he's good. What an incredible attitude. So, so I'm not defending what David has done, because David, what he did was horrible, it was despicable. But after, when he repented and turned to God, he models what it looks like to actually surrender to God. He goes, you know what? I'm going to face consequences for what I've done. And I'm, you know, instead of trying to prove to people that I've made it right and that I've said sorry, instead of trying to hold on to this power that I have, he, he just surrendered himself to say, if God wants to take the kingdom from me, if he wants me to never be king again, if he wants me to never have a good reputation again, that's up to him. He's good, I'm not. What a picture of, of what that looked like. And, the, and this picture continues. So 2 Samuel, we're going to read 16 uh, verses 5 to 14 about Shimei and... Uh, Shimei, again, he plays this really important role in David's story. Let me just pray before I read this. Lord, I, I just pray that as we read this passage of Scripture, uh, Lord, that we would hear your voice. Lord, there's so much in this, in this story and in this particular passage that we can learn about you and what it means to follow you. And may we hear you today. In Jesus' name, amen. When King David came to Baharim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul. So Saul was the previous king, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. You know how like when you're being criticized, it's like this term of like people throwing stones at you? It's from the Bible. This is where it is, okay? He's literally cursing David and throwing stones and rocks at him. He threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, so he's saying this to David, he says, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. 
See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, this is one of David's right-hand men, one of his best friends, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. Reasonable request, right? But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he's cursing, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all of his servants, and catch what David says here. He says, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite leave him alone and let him curse? For the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road while Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan. And there he refreshed himself. So there's this image in this story. David is, he's walking along this road and there's this hillside, okay? And David's got his mighty men with him, these, these warriors that have literally faced, some of them have, have been in battles where they're like 10 to 1 or 20 to 1 and they've gone in valiantly and with bravery. So these are the guys that are surrounding David as he's fleeing Israel. So he's walking along this road and there's this hillside and it's got these rocks. And I imagine rocks that would fit in your hand, like pretty decent sized. And this guy Shimei, he's walking along and he's like spewing out curses at David and he's throwing them down. He's like, you dead dog and you're this murderer. And, and then it says he's throwing sand. And so he's like whipping sand down at them. And there's this whole scene going on. And it would have been so easy for David to say, yeah, take him out. You know, David was a warrior. He was surrounded by his mighty men. But he responds, he says, what if God sent this guy? You ever have a question like that? Like, have we ever thought that when someone comes and they criticize you for something you've done, is your first thought like, what if God sent them? <laughs> Usually my first response, if somebody's coming against me, is like to defend myself or to prove how they're actually way off base. I would have been like, look at this guy. Because I have this image too, when Shimei is throwing sand, whenever I throw sand, it's usually windy and it comes back in my face. And so I'm assuming Shimei probably looked crazy up there. And it would have been easy for David to, if he didn't kill him, to discredit him. And like, man, this guy's crazy. Look at him. He's up there throwing sand and it's spitting all back in his face. And he's just a wild man. But David's response, he goes... And if you read it in the message translation, David says, he's preaching a sermon to me. What a weird response. You know, he's got this guy that's like hurling stones at him and all this stuff. And he's, as he's fleeing and he goes, what if there's truth to what he's saying? See, David, he knew that what he had done with Bathsheba 11 years ago was wrong. And he knew from 11 years ago, God said, because of what you've done here, there's going to be consequences in the rest of your life. David also knew he had neglected things with his kids. He had 19 sons and one daughter, and there was this whole scandal that happened with his kids. There was this, this rape and this murder, and David did nothing about it. So he knew, he, he knew that he, he was in the wrong. And, and here's the, uh, I want to give two lessons from this. And the first is that face, face your failures head on. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but a lot of times, and it's just something silly, but like in my house, if there's something wrong with like the shower or a faucet, I just figure if I ignore, ignore it long enough, it'll go away. You guys ever think that? Everybody ever done that? Okay. That's why guys like Matthew get called in <laughs> eventually, right? But, it, uh, but I've noticed there's been lots of times in my life that if I go face that thing head on, that issue, that problem, that oftentimes it's not as bad as I imagine it will be, right? 
Sometimes the reason I don't want to face something is because I'm like, oh, what am I going to get into? It's going to be crazy. It's going to be expensive. I'm going to have to call somebody and pay them. And maybe if I just ignore it long enough, it'll go away. But there's been so many times in my life, I'll go face something and then deal with it and be like, oh, it wasn't that bad. But how often do we do the same thing in our lives and in relationships? That sometimes there's like an issue brewing between maybe you and a family member, between you and a coworker, between you and your boss. And instead of facing it head on, or maybe you've done something wrong, and instead of facing it head on, you just have this tendency, like David, to ignore it. This whole scandal, this whole thing brewed over the course of 11 years. I believe that what happened with David's kids possibly could have been avoided had David faced things head on. But there's no indication of Scripture that, that he did that. And I think an encouragement for us is to face some things head on instead of ignoring them. You know, if you go through the 12 steps, and some of the people here, uh, we went through 12 steps this year um, in our Overcomers program. Step nine, I just want to re read to you step nine, says, I make amends to the people I have harmed, and I forgive those who have harmed me. And listen to this caveat. Except when making amends would cause more harm to the other person. There's wisdom in that. But if it's not going to cause harm to the other person, what we're encouraged, and, and the 12 Steps is, is an incredible program for people looking to become free from addictions, from hurts, from habits, from hang-ups. But one of the things that we've got to do if we're going to get over some of the messes we've got in is we've got to face head-on some of the things that are brewing beneath the surface. And if we learn nothing else from David, we learn that it is so vital and important to face things head-on. And so if the Lord's speaking to you today, about facing something. I just want to encourage you to do it with faith that God is with you. And I'm not encouraging you to go and do this thing in your own strength, but maybe you're thinking of something that you've not faced head on. Maybe there's something you've done that was a failure in some way, and you're aware of it, and you're tempted to just ignore it or pretend that it doesn't exist. And maybe as we're talking about this, you're thinking about it. If that's the case, ask, Josh mentioned the Holy Spirit a lot in his story. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, Help me to face the things that you're bringing up in my heart and my mind. Let me face those things head on. Here's the second lesson. This one's tough for all of us. Embrace criticism and let God defend you. Embrace criticism and let God defend you. I, I just want to say this. You will always have a shimmy-eye in your life. And so I'm, th I'm talking specifically about times in our lives where we have failed and we know we've failed, done something wrong, missed the mark. M and maybe you, you read David's story and you're like, well, I'm not that bad. I mean, I didn't plan a murder and get involved in this huge scandal. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not that bad. But all of us have done things that, that are wrong and that we know are wrong. And sometimes we're quick to be defensive of ourselves when it's brought to our attention. And I think that what we see in David's life is a really powerful principle that would actually help us walk in freedom. Embrace criticism and let God defend you. You know that David refused to defend himself and he looked to God to redeem him. I just want to read uh, one more time what David says about this, about Shimei. He says, If he's cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? 
And David said to Abishai and all of his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite leave him alone and let him curse? For the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. You know, uh, early in my ministry, uh, it was quite a few years ago, Vicki and I were first married, uh, there was a situation that happened in my youth group where I made a mistake that I know was a, was a failure on my part. And uh, it hurt a couple people in my youth group. One of the mothers um, who was affected, uh, her daughter was affected by this thing that I'd done, this decision that I made, she approached me, uh, I think it was like several months later, and she, said, and she looked at me, I was doing an outreach somewhere, and she happened to be there, and she, she came up to me and she looked at me and she said, you know that my daughter walked away from her faith in Jesus because of you? It was pretty heavy, right? Uh, but in that moment, I realized, and, and I relate a little bit with David when I think of Shimei, because Shimei was pointing out David's flaws. And this woman was pointing out mine. I think, you know, I felt like, well, that's too heavy to put on me. And, and I had all these, like, responses in my mind. But as I've reflected on that, I, w- I walked back and I thought, you know what, God? If there's any truth to what she's saying, I don't want to prove it to her. I want, I want to be made right with you. Do, you. do you understand that? Like, I'm, I'm not saying that we become a doormat. When somebody brings something, an accusation, maybe the accusation is too heavy. Maybe they're laying it on too thick. Maybe they're bringing judgment on you in a way they should not be bringing the judgment. But you know what? Don't spend your time trying to prove to other people your righteousness. Because it really doesn't matter what other people think. David understood. He was like, if I'm not made right between me and God, it doesn't matter what Shimei thinks. David could have got rid of Shimei and another Shimei would have popped up. There'd always be somebody out to point out his wrong. And if David, and Josh talked about it a lot. I didn't know he was going to share what he shared. But Josh talked a lot in his testimony about seeking human affirmation. I think most of us have a tendency to do that. And you know what we learned from the story of David? David goes, the reason he let Shimei curse it wasn't because he let himself be a doormat. It wasn't because he had self-hatred. It was because he was like, no, I, I want to be made right with God because, because God's okay with me, because he's redeemed me, because he's forgiven me, because he's cleaned me up. It doesn't matter what Shimei thinks. You know, I think a lot of us could learn from this lesson in David's life where when we're faced with some of these criticisms where we go, instead of trying to defend ourselves, we go to God and go, God, God, is there any truth to this? Like, are you trying to show me something? And you know what happens when you do that? The scriptures are so clear, like, God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And what he means by that is, don't take vengeance into your own hands. Don't try to prove and justify yourself. I'll do that. God does that on behalf of people who surrender themselves to him. And so this story, we're not advocating, again, I want to be clear on that, not advocating that we become a doormat or that we don't, you know, speak truth when we need to. But there are times when, when something comes against us that it should cause us to pray like David did and to trust God to make things right. Here's, here's how I want to close this, and I'm going to get the team to come up. Um, the story I shared at the beginning about Carla Faye Tucker, it's interesting because that was actually a really controversial story. When, when all that happened in the late 90s, um, there were some high-profile Christians that were advocating against the death penalty. And, and you know what's interesting is that when, we, when you look at politics, usually people that lean more liberal or more Democrat in the states are the ones fighting against the death penalty. And people that lean more Republican are, are not fighting against it. And there's all this stuff. Things get political. I'm not making any uh, political statement. 
But this story became political because people were accusing Christians. They're like, oh, now that this high-profile murderer becomes a Christian, all of a sudden you're against the death penalty. That was some of the conversation that was, was happening. And they're like, oh, so now all these big-wig Christians are, are finally standing up for something that they should be standing up for, and it was this controversy, right? But you know what's interesting is that Jesus, okay, and, and again, this, uh, that, was, that was what was going on politically. This is not uh, meant to be political at all. But Jesus advocates for you and I when he shouldn't. You realize that? Like, like what, that's what we see here in the story of David is that David should have been written off. David should have been taken out. David should have, God should have just like, you know, kicked him from grace or whatever. But God redeemed David. He, he, he cleaned him up. He, he made things right. And God does the same thing for you and I. If, if we're honest, all of us uh, deserve judgment. All of us deserve um, to, be, to be kicked out, if you will. But Jesus comes and he advocates for us to, to be with God for all eternity when we don't deserve it. The Bible says so clearly that even when we were still sinners, Christ loved us. So if you're here today and you're, you're hearing this stuff and, and you're tempted to think maybe it's like kind of a message of judgment, it's not. What we learn from the story of David is David, he threw himself at the mercy of God. And he was like, you know what, I know I'm going to face consequences, but I want to be made right with God. And what the story of Scripture points towards us is that Jesus Christ came and he, he died for us, which Josh referenced in his, his testimony. And so all of us can trust in him because he paid the price. He, he made things right between us and God. And if we put our faith in him, we're, we're made new. We're cleaned up. And so Jesus comes and sees us and says, yeah, you deserve all of these horrible consequences, but I'm going to take those on myself. And if you trust me, you can be made right with God forever. And so that's, that's the, the story in this. Um, and so if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I just encourage you to, to think about what Christ has done to make us right with God. If you are a follower of Jesus today, I just want to remind you, and the band is up. Good band. Quick band. Uh, I, want, I want to remind you to, when you're facing some of those criticisms that, that come at you for maybe some things that you've done wrong, like, go, like ask God, like, God, is there, is there truth to this? Are you trying to teach me something? Is there something that you want to do in me through this? Because he often does speak to us, even through people like Shimei. Shimei was, he kind of, he dies tragically in the end, I'll tell you. It doesn't end pretty for Shimei, like years down the road. Read the Bible. There's lots of, it's interesting, okay? It doesn't end well uh, for Shimei. But God used Shimei in David's life in an incredible way. And who might he be using in our life in a similar way? Let's pray and then we'll close with a couple songs. Lord, I just thank you for your, the word, for the scriptures, and for how you speak to us through these stories. And God, I just, Lord, if there's anything in the story today that uh, you're speaking to any one of us, may our ears be open to what you're saying, Lord. I pray that we wouldn't be the kind of people that shut these things out, that, Lord, we would embrace truth from you, uh, and that we would embrace who you are and what it means to know you and serve you and follow you. And if there's anybody here today, Jesus, that, that has not put their faith in you, that have not trusted you, may, may you give them the boldness to just fully embrace who you are, what it means to know you and serve you and follow you. We love you, God. We worship you. We honor you. And I just pray you bless the uh, we're going to sing these couple songs, Lord, and, and just may you continue to speak to us as we lift up your name in Jesus' name. Amen.